unders, down your unders. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri, Art of War, down under. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this episode 121 of the Art of War Down Under podcast. My name, ad nauseum, as always, forever, shall be Adam Camilleri until I decide to change it for whatever reason and become, I don't know, I don't know. I'll take, I'll take petitions for what I can rename myself to someday. Commissar, something or other, bullcrap. Anyway, here we are. We're gonna, we got the Custodes Codex retrospective lineup for you guys. It's the next one in the row. We just did Orcs a couple of weeks ago. And uh, from here, we got a couple of real powerhouses to do in the retro section. We got Tower, we got Nids coming up as well. GSC at some point has to be, has to be, yeah, because GSC was right after Custodes. But I am joined by a very good friend of mine who I just spent a weekend with. He was good enough to drive me to the airport a couple of days ago. That's how you get on this show, guys chauffeur me around be an absolute boss and uh help me out his name is michael taylor he is a custodies main from the wonderful world of new zealand and uh he's an absolute boss of a bloke welcome to the show mate how you doing i'm doing very well man i'm very excited to be talking about my uh my favorite non-armor contempt uh power armor boys <laughs> so uh, straight to it straight to the jugular part of one of the biggest issues and pitfalls of the faction but for those of you who do not know art of war down under is a two-part podcast first part comes out tuesday mornings uh eastern standard time about five o'clock uh second part is only for patrons and subscribers so there's a whole second half of this podcast that you can get for five bucks over on patreon or over at the art of war 40k.com for whatever they charge for my lovely show over there in addition to the wonderful uh war room and of course did art of war vanilla and unbroken goodness but the retrospective series we like to do three to six months after the codex is released we like to have a look back at how it has done how we thought it was going to do and whether those things have held up not held up etc etc um custodius is going to be a really interesting one because it has shifted a lot since release um and but michael you are involved in a couple of saucy bits and pieces yourself over in the wonderful land of new zealand so please tell us about some of the things you do and yeah plug away my dude Awesome. So uh, I'm part of a team called Kraken Wargaming. So we are five uh, very like-minded people that got together and decided, hey, we wanted to see more competitive styles of events down in New Zealand. Yeah, we wanted to bring that experience that you get at, you know, the likes of LVO, obviously not in terms of the scale, but in terms of the quality, you know, down to New Zealand. And so we uh, pulled all our resources, our free time, and started our, our little group up. And we've been going now for well, coming on two years, though uh, COVID, you know, has put a, a bit of a dent on how much we've been able to do in that time. Um, but we, you know, we're now up and, and running and we've got the very nice uh, problem that we've almost got too much terrain now for some of the events that we're running. Quality is, freaking problems, mate. I know, a nice problem to have compared to what we had you know, 24 months ago. And uh, alongside that, we have a podcast that goes with it called Cracking Cast, Cast with a K because, you know, for some reason we're edgy and decided that would be cooler. In <laughs> um, there, we talk a lot about what happens down in the New Zealand scene. So we cover most of the major events that happen down here in New Zealand. I'll look at sort of a, a bit of a pre-show usually of what's coming up and then a breakdown of, of how the event went, um, as well as covering you know, some of the unique parts of the, the little New Zealand scene that we have down here. So if you want to hear more about a weird little meta that we have, down here at the bottom of the world uh you can find that on everywhere that you get your podcasts and please do it's a hell of a good time some uh, wacky and amazing personalities out in new zealand and a really interesting scene which i was happy enough to indulge in in the, the previous weekend went to the kraken gt of course you guys ran it was an awesomely run event really smooth yeah once again yeah really good terrain like really good terrain yeah it's been a a real passion project for us it is you know the, the big thing we came in with was hey let's you know let's get a really good standard of terrain going 
you know, that was the, probably the biggest feedback that, you know, for the last, let's say since the start of eighth, which is about when the competitive scene in New Zealand really started to accelerate, um, was, you know, hey, can we get a more standard level of terrain and be able to play player placed? You know, the the lack of terrain has meant that we haven't been able to play player placed. And, you know, I think the feedback since we've implemented it, I think this is our third event now uh, running it, has been fantastic. And, you know, we've made a few tweaks here and there. Um, you know, based on FLG, tweaked a little bit to, you know, suit the terrain that we have. Um, but otherwise, you know, the feedback's been fantastic and, you know, hopefully we can inspire others here to do the same. It really has been the talking point of ninth edition, especially, like I said, it did start in 8th edition where, well, the power level of shooting especially went through the roof and all of a sudden everybody needed to just had needed to have more terrain on your tables. Um, and ninth edition has only compounded that with, you know, bigger and better terrain rules. And event systems have lived and died by how good the terrain they provide for their essentially customers, but, you know, most people are your mates in your community. But we're here to talk about the golden boys. We're here to talk about the stoves, the custodies, um, and how they're doing and have a look back and pretty much bring you up to speed on what they do, how they're traveling, what, if any, pitfalls they've had along the way, pretty much tell their story, give them a checkup and see how they're doing now. So jumping into and the first dot point here was, was the first impressions that you had, Michael, when you cracked open the Codex, what? It's almost a year ago now, I believe. Yeah, I think it was January, right? It was just yeah. after the new year. So you know how every year Apple releases new phones? Yep. You, you build yourself up thinking, okay, this is going to be, you know, fantastic and it's going to get revolutionized the reality is it's a step change right it's everything gets a little bit better yep but the innovation isn't there for me that's kind of what i thought of custodes the first time i read it i was a little bit down at first especially when i read through the stratagems i kind of went look this is all very much par for the course there's nothing overly exciting and really the data sheets as well you know it was all the ninth edition standard stuff. Your D3 damages went to damage two. Yep. Your, your D6 damages, some of them went to a three plus D3. Um, yeah, but there was a lot of immediate you know, things lacking. You know, Custodes had a lot of access to three up and vulnerable saves. Obviously, that's yeah. a design yep. choice that GW has cut out. So that all went to four ups. You know, a lot of comment was around, you know, hey, three attacks on a 50 point, you know, custodian guard is just not enough. That didn't change. So I think when when you first read this book, and I know when I first read this book, it kind of came across a little bit like they'd just done the bare minimum to bring it up to date ninth, and then kind of you know ship it. Obviously, that's changed quite a bit, um, you know, since actually getting it on the table, um, and that was a pretty cold take considering what came over the next three months from custodes yeah well so i was about to say that what well, that is pretty accurate but i think it from the i'm not a custodes player i have played custodes i do have a custodes army just waiting to be built one day in the future someday in my draw. um but when they first came out it was really interesting that you said there was there was so many pieces of the codex that kind of stood still and there's so mm. many other pieces that obviously GW had gone well out of their way to try and crank. I'm talking Wardens, Virtus Praetors for the first two things to come to mind. Like, you're right, Custody Guard, and for all purposes, the Terminators as well, and many of the other options literally barely altered. And in fact, got very little support apart from that, like very little stratum support, very little of the shield hosts, you know, improved straight line power, so to speak. It feels like, once again, they treated Custodies with the, we really don't want to make this too good. So we kind of made it dull, um, kind of made it a little boring. And then what, what happened to me was, you know, so I was, I was in the, I was lucky enough. I was in the art of Warhouse when the custodians codex dropped and they quickly identified as this is possibly the best thing in the game. Um, but mind you, when it first came out, it was contending with thick city from Drakari and crusher stampede as two of the other big major players in this, in the, in the, the, the game. And we, 
in Art Warhouse just figured that this had most of the strengths of both of those, had better shooting than either of those, and played the played the board better, like played the actual mission better than either of those. Um, and but once again, it didn't do anything really really flashy, right? It just had like good defensive stratagems and then just relied on a data sheet. No, exactly. And I think that the thing that a lot of people forget is coming from eighth to ninth, one of the biggest changes for Custodes was just the CP. You know, having access to their CP, you know, their stratagems we'll talk about soon, they probably have some of the best or did have some of the best access to oh, just, yeah. you know, one CP, whatever buff you want, you can probably find it in that, you know, stratagem mm-hmm. section. It was and, it was pay CP changed the game. Like just, it was crazy back in eighth. Exactly. And, but in eighth, you only had, you know, a few to work with. Now you're working with 12 because, and you're only ever running one detachment, most likely with custodes. Um, you know, Tracian gives you some backs. You're working with quite a few. You're regening them faster than you ever did. You know, suddenly, you know, yes, your stratums are boring, but you're using them every single turn. Until. And that makes them so efficient. Yes, until. until. <laughs> And we come to the crux of it. Where are they at now, mate? Give us your takes on where custodians sit in the meta in the game at the moment and what's happened to them. Yeah, so I think, look, we'll touch on it you know, later on with the, the nerfs that have come, but where they're sort of sitting right now, I think, is they are being held up largely by Forge World. And I, I, there are definitely some builds in the core GDUB book that work, but almost all of them will have Forge World elements you know, built into them. Um. And they're really hanging on, especially in singles play, um, with Emperor's Chosen. You know, I yep. think without that, the the lack of mortal defense really would hurt them. And we'll talk about that more in, the, in you know, coming sections. Um, so I think they're kind of sitting there. They've got a couple of builds that work. And I think, you know, the, the oops, all Forge World, oops, all Dreadnoughts, you know, and vehicles list does work. It's what I'm piloting at the moment. And I think there's some great power in there. And yeah, there's been some results. I think a, G- a big GT was won recently. There was a hot, yep. you know, guest on Idle War talking about his more sort of standard style list, getting bikes back in the list, um, especially with Elvio now switching to, you know, bottom floor blocks line of sight. Yeah, yeah. Suddenly bikes with their speed probably come back in and you know, get a lot more play. Um, but the reality is without the defensive strats to back them up, you've got to be really careful. And I think, you know, when the book first came out, it was a bit of a, hey, you can throw them forward, and if you don't quite get your engagement right, you've got the backup that you've just got three incredible defensive strats. You can just drop three CP, and they're probably not going to die. You don't have that anymore. They will just die. The game has got so much deadlier, so you have to be really careful now if you are playing that more standard, non-just-throw-toughness-seven yeah. you know, idiots in well, your face, that they will die. They're, they're, they're an army predicated on toughness five and a two-up save being a def- defensively good. When that is almost defensively average in the game at the moment, yeah, um, we're talking about you know it's, it's like toughness five is almost an average now. Um, Tyranid warriors, we're just coming out of that meta. We still got we still got orcs here, there, and everywhere. I'm neither climbing all over my whatever. Uh, but you know, toughness five isn't all that much chop. There is so much toughness five now. It's almost like they could they could go to toughness six. Uh, sorry, they could do so many things. Um, but I mean, and chaos space marines you know minus one to wound here there and everywhere might as well be toughness five on the termies and the possessed i think already are but uh yeah it just feels like that data sheet just isn't it and um believing that that stuff is durable is a fallacy in the game at the moment everything dies everything kills everything if you want something to die in a game of competitive ninth edition at the moment it, you, you can just pretty much make it happen there's very few things that there's like a five things in the game that can just say no you're not killing me and most of it's because you're like wound gated uh but in saying that, you, you talked about some nerfs. you want to tell us what those were, what happened? Yeah, so there's three 
custody specific ones and one universal one that essentially invalidated an entire data sheet almost. Um, the universal one was that bodyguard changed for the better. It was a you know, poorly written mechanic. I think it, you know, I felt Agreed. bad every time I did it, but I did it because, you know, that's what I had to do. Um, so that kind of made wardens, while they had OPSEC, they were playable. You know, you paid, I think it's about five points more. You got one extra attack and you got a six of inner pain. Yep. I think five points, pretty good. good. Yeah, it's good. You know, then they came in with the second round hits and I think they came, I don't know if they came one after the other or if they came exactly at the same time. They were at least, if they were at the same time, they were in one document. So you started out and you read the first bit and you went, okay, we're fine. You know, the next bits that came, first of all, all infantry lost OPSEC unless it was in the troop slot. Now, coming from the eighth book where bikes and infantry had OPSEC, then to infantry had OPSEC, now to I'm the same as everyone else when it comes to OPSEC, Except you're not, you're worse. Because everyone has a right of war, everyone has a, a CP strat, everyone has some freaking relic to give them splash obsec. And to my knowledge, custodians don't, right? You can do the inverse, you can take away obsec. Yeah, yeah. But you can't, I don't believe there's a way to give it out. Exactly. Um, so no. not only did they take away the thing that made you special in that realm, there wasn't anything given to give you the same flavor that other armies had. No. And then on the back of that, they also said, so two of the, the sort of best defensive strats, they're just generic transhuman or whatever it's called gene genetic alchemy something like that uh and the turn off rerolls kind of the custodes you know what they're the probably the one strat they're really well known for was then limited to infantry so suddenly your bikes don't have access to those two and then to continue the hits uh both the turn off rerolls and then the two kind of one cp you just pick a buff and get it you can one cp pick a guitar that's not active give it to a unit and one cp pick another shield host basically and give them the buffs of that shield host both, all three of those became once per game. And I can tell you from you know using them, I would use those at least twice each per game. So taking them back to one each really hurt because now you need to think so carefully about, you know, you need to pre-plan and go, what is that one turn that I need to turn off re-rolls and, you know, maybe throw myself into a different guitar and almost, you know, plan it out in advance because you can't just sort of throw it away willy-nilly now. I am so frustrated by the, that by that being their choice of nerfs. Um, firstly, I think it was too heavy-handed, um, straight up, especially with what was coming, because these nerfs happened between Custodies being coming out and Tyranids coming out. So <clears throat> the fact that they nerfed Custodies this hard and then Tyranids came out and were the brokest, brokest, brokestness, you know, in broke town. Asuriani came out, Aldari came out then as well with, you know, all, all that goodness. Um the fact that yeah those were to follow and then they they, they actually hit custodies that hard anyway um, is a little frustrating. I believe it lacked a lot of foresight. And first and foremost, I think those things should have just been not to be once per game, but you should just shouldn't be able to use my blacks. That's okay. how I feel about it. Or make it more expensive, right? I think yeah. the design philosophy of once per game really hurts because you know you've given you've bought this book, you've got all these great stratagems, and you've kind of gone you get it once, guys. You know you can you can you can use this once. That's it. I don't really like that. I'd prefer if they just make it more expensive, you know, or, you know, I think there's a bunch of more eloquent ways they could have implemented, Agreed. you know, nerfs that they probably needed. Mm -hmm. um, this was a pretty uh, sort of smack it with a hammer, make the problem go away style. It really was. It's it very heavy handed. Um, but anyway, we're going to jump in and we're going to start looking at, our, actually, sorry, there's one other thing I need to talk to. So ever since Custodians came out, which was, I think, I believe the end of 7th edition, but I'm not sure, I can't remember if they got a Codex in 7th edition or if it was just a Prospero box came out. And there was a couple of bits and pieces. Um, but ever since they've come out, it's been a bit of a meme that 
the units in the codex suck when compared to the units in the Forge World section of that codex. So the Forge yeah. World units of Custodes. I believed at launch that this was going to be the first Custodes book where you wouldn't want to take Forge World or much Forge World. I think I think on release, the only th- only bit of Forge World that made the cut was the Caladius was still good enough to take in the generic list with everything else. Um, since then, it has just been a lulls train of how much Forge World I can fit into my meta Custodes army, and it's a really big shame. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's purely down to the nerfs, right? If you look at the nerfs and what they've hit, they've hit Wardens are now really bad. You just... You know, they look nice on a shelf, but you don't put them on a table. Yep. Uh, bikes still have play. Uh, that whole, you know, hit the two of the three vehicles that you get in this book, unless I'm missing some, are complete rubbish, and you're never <laughs> taking them. You know, and the whole silent yeah. section could totally be, you know, th- there's some stuff in there that's okay, but it's primarily just because you sit it on the back of the objective because it's cheap. You don't take it because of its mirrors. You take it because of its points cost. So Suffice to say, when we get to the data sheet section of this, we're going to say Trajan is still okay, and one shield captain on a bike is okay, and every other data sheet in this book is not good enough. Um, it's pretty much summed it up from my point of view. Close enough. Um, all right, so jumping down to the first part of this, we are talking about the shield hosts. This is the first of the rules sections we're going to be talking about from a top-down view. Before joining us for the first time for one of one of these, we essentially, on you know, when we review a book for the first time, it's a fine-tooth comb. We go through every line, we discuss everything. Sometimes I make big mistakes, like I did in the previous guard review that you guys were lovingly enough to point out. Thank you very much. I was reading a very blurry copy because, once again, I couldn't get a good copy because GW doesn't send them to me. They send them to the, the freaking... Never mind. Um, anyway... Uh, so we looked from a top down and we give you guys pretty much our takes on how the section is held up, how good it has been and how relevant it has been for the army. Now, I'm going to go on a limb here and say there's only two shield hosts that I've ever seen on the table. And one of them has been 80% of the time and one of them, the other one has been 20% of the time. Is that pretty much your take as well? Uh, in all honesty, yes. But there is a couple I, I do want to talk about. There's some, there's some power in the rest of them. It's just that one of them for singles players so much better that I can't ever bring myself not to take it. That's because you just play against an army that does more than average mortal wounds and you lose? A hundred percent. And yes, you get a six up, you're in a pain against mortals natively and your vehicles have a five up strat, but it's just not enough when we're in worlds where I know Votan's mortals have been dialed back, but Turinus can still put out an ungodly amount well, of mortal wounds. Just sisters, like sisters even, just like a unit of Dominion just coming out and doing six mortal wounds. Um, yep. You know, they do that for like three turns or they do that and the flamer one as well. And you're like, wow, I just lost like a quarter of my army to mortals and two, two CP. That sucks. And look, there's a sun still around, right? I played some on the weekend and, you know, without my four up, I would have lost that game pretty yeah. quickly. Wow. Um, all right. So, but the shield hosts, there are, what are there, six of these? Yep. Six. And of them, I've only ever seen Shadow Keepers and Empress Chosen. And Empress Chosen is easily the one we're talking about, the one that gives you a four plus. Um, I don't think we need to talk about those as much. Empress Chosen, I still think, is the best choice for the the current game. Yeah, that hasn't changed. No, agree. You know, a, a reroll is especially good on Custodes because you're you know most likely going to reroll a hit that's hitting on a two. You know, so you're almost always going to convert that. So rerolling ones, you know, rerolling a dice on a model that's hitting on a two, just a lot better than anything else. Um, and you know, the fact that you've got a stratagem, it is only once per game now, but the fact that you've got a stratagem to go, hey, when I need to be one of those other shield hosts, I can just become another shield host, kind of is the nail on the coffin for me. Because I've heard a lot of argument that, you know, there's there's times where, you know, I'm trying to think of a good one here. Dread host is really important because you need that extra AP in combat. Well, that one time it's important in the game, I'll just pay a CP and do it anyway. Fair. Totally fair. 
what I find is so funny is that, like I said, Empress Chosen is played like it's almost it's almost been it's eighty percent of the times that I've played against them, it's been Empress Chosen, and I did play a lot of test games. Um, but uh, they literally literally took the stratagem out the back behind the shed and shot it in the head, and it's still the best one. Yeah. Which is which is it's got to be frustrating for for play, for custodians players like yourself, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately so because it, it is just you know it's such a good utility strategy that even though it is once per game, you know it, it's still pretty valuable. Um, and, and look, I'd love to run these other ones because I think this inherently in Chosen is the most boring. It, it doesn't give you anything very exciting. Like you know, it gives you defensive buffs and a slight offensive buff. Cool. There are some other ones in there that are much more interesting and enjoyable and can make your playstyle quite fun. But I think if you're playing singles, you just need to run an Empress Chosen or you need to accept that if you run into a Mortal Wound army, you're going to lose um, and just try and make that run through a tournament without hitting them. But in teams, I think it's a bit different. In teams, I think if you know, as long as you're comfortable that your captain's going to try and dodge those matchups, then go for it. I think there's some awesome packages in there that aren't Empress Chosen. Well, tell us about, tell us about one or two of them. Tell us about one of the things that might be... Uh, if someone wants to play a fringe list or be a special snowflake or is just accepting they weren't going to beat T-Suns anyway or for some whatever reason because of Flamers or something now, um, what, where would they go? What would be a spicy choice? Right. I think the first one you go is literally the next page in Shadow Keepers. Personally, I think Shadow Keepers, it, as a package, every single part of it is great. You, I think there's an argument to say you take the Warlord trait and the Relic. Uh, so generically, if you don't know what Shadow Keepers does, minus one attack when you're in combat with them. For a lot of units, that is pretty crippling. Um, and re-rolling wounds into characters. And in a meta with lots of knights floating around, that's a pretty massive buff to be able to re-roll all of your wounds yeah. into all of them. Well, thirsters as well. So many blood thirsters. Yep. There's so many things going around where that's valuable. Uh, their stratagem, a little bit worse than what it was previously. So it's uh, minus one strength on an incoming attack. You can't now use it on vehicles, which means, you know, and you dread noughts where it was pretty valuable because you shoot multi-mouth at it and then it's functionally a minus one to wound. Uh, that's not the case anymore, but it's still really valuable because it's one of those ones that you just have in the back pocket and as soon as someone shoots a strength six or strength five gun at your dudes, you just go, cool, minus one to win for one CP. Not going to say no to that. Yep. Um, and then the Warlord trait, uh, put it on a character, they ignore vulnerable saves. Um, especially spicy on a, a captain on bike because it's not in combat. It's just they always ignore oh, vulnerable saves. Oh, wow, yeah. Which means your AP4 salvo launcher, you just, you know, and he moves 14, right? So you, you, know, you kind of move him up the board, line him up, someone leaves their character with a little hole at the back where you can land a bike, you fly over back, and you shoot him in the back with a salvo they don't get involves against. That's mad. When this book came out, and you know, it was the same time as Eldar, and everyone started running Harlequins, that was, I ran Shadow Keepers once, and that was a fantastic trick. And I told everyone it was coming. I said, hey, I'm going to a save, I'll shoot with a, multi, you know, with a essentially a multi-melter in the back, um, or a salvo launcher, and uh, you know, they'll still fall for it. So, And then the Relic's not bad either, it's a fight last. So Yeah. Well, the, the package of Shadow Keepers is phenomenal. It actually, when you put it all together, it is extraordinarily good. Um, and you, you think in a grindy, kind of melee-centric edition that has been for the last kind of three months, it's not. I don't believe it's going to be that way. I believe Votan Guard and now Tau are going to make a trifecta of shooting that's going to change the paradigm quite a bit. But you'd think this would be good. You'd think you look at this and you're like, wow, all this is good. Why are people not playing this? Yep, it's because you face one mortal wound, mortal wound army and you're out of winning a tournament contention. Just gone. Just absolutely and gone. so you just have to accept that you'll take the slightly more boring, slightly less powerful one, because if you hit that matchup, you need 
Empress Chosen. Agreed. Um, the one I wanted to talk about is Solar Watch, because that was my favourite one on release. Advance and Charge, I thought was like, hey, how could this be bad? Advance and Charge Infantry, of course, noting that bikes were the best thing in the book on release. But yeah, plus one to it, uh, Advance and Charge rolls made for this unit with this trait. Uh, if it's a unit has an implacable Vanguard ability, add seven to the move instead of six. And units with the trait are able to declare a charge in which they fell back. And then it's the Warlord trait, where you select one Solar Watch Infantry unit within six of the Warlord, and they get to... Um, eligible to charge in a turn in which they advanced. And that's in the charge phase. So you get to see all the advance rolls and your shooting phase and then get to pick which one is going to do the charge after advancing. So I'm a big fan of that. Um, except for their strat, their strat's absolute trash to your coffee. Just possibly it's the worst rubbish. one. Forget it's possibly, it possibly the worst one. Uh, but if yes. you're rolling combat, Trisha, <laughs> with Custodes, you're doing something wrong. If they're still alive and you've tried to kill them, you, you're in big trouble. <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah, I thought Solar Watch would be cool. Would be a cool one. And I, I wish it was, but just the fact is, the none of the infantry really hold up. Um, no, and, and, uh, the thing that for me again, coming back to you know Empress Chosen is Custodes are pretty happy usually being in combat. You know, fullback and charge I think is great on bikes because they're so fast that you can then sort of springboard them up the board. But your normal infantry are pretty happy usually just hanging out in combat, especially if you've got a uh, shield guard. They've got pistols anyway. So you're not even losing their shooting. They're still shooting in combat. Yep. And that one or two, you know, that one time a game where your bikes might get in combat and you go, ah, it'd be really nice if I could fall back and, you know, and charge this turn. One CP is Empress Chosen, you're doing it anyway. Exactly right. Um, all right, moving down. So uh, uh, overall, I'm unfortunately going to say the shield hosts are a bit of a miss because there's only, well, there's only one that is taken and you only take it for one part of why it's taken. Yep. Um and the fact that that is good enough to dominate and disallow all the others, I think must it, it has to make him a miss, unfortunately. Unfortunately, so it's, a, it's similar to Sisters with Bloody Rose. There's exactly one that right. is just so much better than the others. It's, yep. yeah, not really a question. Just lacks diversity. All right, the stratagems. Give us your takes here, brother. Yeah, so I think, as I mentioned before, this stratagem section is full of fantastic utility stratagems. You know, if you, if you can think of a stratagem that you know, you'd like an army to have, it probably exists in here. Fall back and shoot, uh, as long as you can fly. Transhuman, you know, turn off rerolls. Obviously, those ones are you know no longer available. And then there's a, you know only ones per game. Uh, and then there's a couple of really nice ones in here. Obviously, you know, pretty unique to uh, Custodes. Tanglefoot stands out. Yep, yep. Uh, as an absolute sort of again one of those ones that defines the army. Everyone that plays Custodes, they might not know much about the army when I walk up to the table, but they will go, "How do you Tanglefoot?" And it always catches people out, especially, you know, because it works on anything. You can do it on yeah. a knight. You can do it yeah. on a titan. Yeah. You know, and, and it can it can really change games, not only because it works on the charge, but because you can also do it in the movement phase. And there's a lot of sneaky stuff you can do there, especially considering another stratagem is 1CP, anything in your army can heroic. If you're facing slower things, you know, let's say Votan, you know, you know, thing that everyone's talking about at the moment, they move, what, five? You heroic three base. As long as you can roll up, as long as you base them in combat, and you can roll up a, a two-up, yeah, boy. and you can pull back three, you're Heroic. then heroicing straight back into them. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's a lot of use there that I think you know you don't often get chances to use that as much as you might like because people know about it, and you know you make sure you remind them that hey, I've got tangle for here. You know, don't set up your entire plan to hit this 11-inch charge because I'm going to probably make it you know more than twelve. Yeah, but you know, I think there's some some funky stratagems in here. Uh, like that and like turn off rerolls that kind of have defined the army. Unfortunately, they're kind of the same as they were in eighth. There's nothing new in here that's kind of really out there and you know new and interesting. But that's not to say that that's not a bad suite of stratagems. Um, the unfortunate part is 
the majority of the good ones have been limited. Uh, the Forge World units don't get a lot of play out of these because a lot of these are infantry locked um, or, you know, they have a lot of terms and conditions tied to them now. So The other one that would be, frustrate me a little bit is um, there's, I think there's about maybe five, six, seven stratagems here just for Sisters of Silence. I've never seen one of them used. There's a couple that have play, and when we yep. talk about the, the units, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about you know, the ones that you take, but I think the, the two in there that stand out for me is just a, a four-up deny. You know, in an army where you're not going to have a lot of psychic presence, people might often be taking psychic secondaries against you. Having that ability to be able to, and it's the same distance as your minus one uh, to cast from Sister Science units anyway. It's both 18. So you walk them forward and go, hey, look, you're, 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 if you're within 18, you're minus one to cast. And I'm denying on a four up. Unfortunately, yep. their power probably goes off further than 24 inches, so they just walk outside of 18. <laughs> exactly, and it's not a problem. Um, the other one that's in there is, uh, I believe, Sister Silence can make everything within six uh, minus one to hit, and I think you can pop that at the start of any phase. So that again, is actually really good. I, why don't I? Why don't I know? I know that I do know that one. Sorry, I just it's just fallen out of fashion because you don't have the C because Nephilim took away a lot of the CP. People were slapping down pregame. Exactly. And again, another one of these ones where I'm not going to gotcha my opponent with it and, and, you know, they walk everything within six and I go, ha, gotcha, you minus one to wound, you minus one to hit with everything. I'm going to tell them, hey, look, I've got the stratagem. If you want to get close to me because you want to make charges easy and whatever, that's fine. And of course, there's the duality of if you, you know, you need to stand close to make sure I don't tangle foot you uh, and make it too hard. Yeah. So this still exists. There's still a little bit of interesting stuff there, but I agree the rest of the Sister Science stuff is largely rubbish. He's done. So overall, do you think the stratagems are a hit or a miss or a pass or a fail? I think that you have to say they're a pass because there's enough do. good stuff in yeah. here that you've got, you know, I'm always, you know, using stratagems out of here and feeling like I'm getting good use out of them every game. I think if they fixed the nerfs to the stratagems, I'd almost say this is a like a pretty good pass, like I would a pretty say, big yeah. success. If they, if they, on release, the stratagems were absolutely pass. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, in eighth edition, I still stand by my hot take that, strat- that custodians had the best stratagems in the game. Yeah, it's just you never, you never had enough CP to really leverage them all together. Um, but I mean, like stooping, you know, like stooping dive. You know, everyone, everyone just had to save all their CP for Tanglefoot and stooping dive. The only two that matter in eighth and in ninth edition, it's not too dissimilar. You always want to have one or two up your pocket for a Tanglefoot on demand. Um, and yeah, that means. If you're playing Nephilim, that means you're like playing with just the one a turn you get, pretty much. Um, all right, but jumping down to the Captain Commander traits. So, on release, I was pretty high on quite a few of these, but really it's only boiled down to two, and then it's only boiled down to one. Yeah. Uh, tell us tell us the tale of it. Yeah, so Captain Commanders are your pay points upgrade characters. Uh, the way it works in Custodes is that you can, there's three for each different type of shield captain. So your standard shield captain, your shield captain intimidate armor, your shield captain on a bike. The unfortunate part about these is that Custodes probably don't want to be taking more than one, maybe two detachment, and you're not going to be taking a lot of shield captains because, you know, the, t- the troop tax is real. They're fine, but not incredible. And so the reality is, and Trajan exists, is the other part of the equation, <laughs> yep, yep. who is a better shield captain that doesn't have the right keywords to take these. So while a lot of these buffs are quite good, the reality is you're just not taking bog standard shield captains with the exception of a, you know, a guy on a bike. And I think there's some fantastic ones in there. The best one obviously being, and the one you'll see in almost every list that takes shield captain, tip of the spear, because uh, as previously mentioned, uh, re-rolls on anything that hits and wounds well is great. And this gives him re-roll ones to hit and wound uh, in combat, in the first round of combat. So charge or performed heroic. 
Correct. Um, what were the other ones that could make the cut? You know, should things be a little different? Yes, yeah, so I'm always a fan of any movement, especially in you know your opponents or any time that you're not seeing normal movement. So Unstoppable Destroyer for me has a lot of play. You pile and consolidate additional one. Unfortunately, in the old uh, book or the old uh, Psychic Awakening, whenever it came out, it was uh, plus D three. Uh, so only one's not amazing. Um, but the fact then is you can also move to other units after you pile in. Yeah. So you can, you do, the stipulation is there that you do have to end with an engagement range, but they've also put in here, which I think is quite interesting that even if you're based, you can still do it. Cause in the old book, it specifically was, uh, it didn't actually say this. And then they, I think they FAQ'd it that if you are based, you can't do it because you know, you can't, you know, have or, or uh, pile in or consolidate anywhere. If you're already based, you can't get any closer. This now just says when you make a pylon or heroic move, you can move in any direction as long as you end with an engagement range of an enemy unit. So yeah. there's a lot of funky play you can do here because that's eight inches of movement that you can make with him. So suddenly you can you know swing around to the back of someone, fight them, and then you know consolidate or pile into a different unit. Yep. Or not even fight them, just go tap pylon. Sorry, you can't do it on consolidate. So there's a lot of movement here that you can get. Um, the other one that I don't hate is master of stances um for the standard shield captain yep um especially in certain builds where you are going to be relying more on the katars and there's a couple of turns where you really want to get you know maximum efficiency out of your models which i think you have to get with custodes at the moment there's some play with that one it basically lets you use both parts of your katar stances at the same time uh for a unit so there's some play here where you can whack you know things like sagittarium into both uh advance and shoot and advance into actions Yep. And suddenly, you know, they can advance up, put a banner up, still get all their firepower off if they're in, uh, what's the one called, where they can ignore or hit uh, wound modifiers. They're pretty accurate still. So I think there's some interesting ones here. It's just that you're not often taking shield captains or Alara shield captains unless you've got, like, not quite enough points to take a bike captain. You're, like, 40 points short to take your bike (laughs) captain. You're like, man, what can I do otherwise? Well, I'll just take a shield (laughs) captain. Exactly right. Um, I do think there are pass overall. I wish there was... I mean, the actual buffs themselves are actually quite good. There's at least one good one in each one of the types of shield captain model, which to me makes it a pass. Just that the data sheets they're attached to aren't that appealing. Like the, the regular shield captain and the Alara shield captain, they just do not offer much. Um, I mean, there is a meme for the Alara shield captain, which we'll unpack probably uh, when we get to the relic bit, Mr. Worldwide himself. But even that like turned out to just not have enough power and not be... And to be quite unwieldy, despite being like one of the most dynamic things anyone had ever seen. Um, exactly. But I do still think it's a pass, right? Yeah, I agree. Look, it, there's an, it's his point. There's enough good stuff in here. It's just the way you build attachments means that you're not taking two thirds of the you know the segments in here. You're really only taking the the bike captain ones. Uh, and when you do, you are taking them. There's really only one you're taking. So. Yeah, exactly right. All right, moving down to the warlord traits. Tell us the story here. Yeah. So look. I actually think this, this section is pretty good. I'm not going to lie. I think four out of six of them are pretty pretty playable. Um, obviously, the first two you're going to see all the time because they are Trajans, um, but are also pretty fantastic. They're all double pointers. I'm not going to count the second one as a triple pointer because I think the fact that you can heroic six and then also reminding you in a second point that that means you can also move six is a bit dumb. That, that doesn't count. As, yeah, exactly right. That's not yep. two. That's the same one. But even by themselves, like if you took a shield captain for whatever reason, these are both fairly worth considering you know paying a cp to get five up cp regen you're probably going to do that and being able to reorder your katar stances in some armies is, is pretty important um you know and then the heroic six 
and re-rolling all hits. Uh, look, I think they're both fine. Um, and then the other two I'll call out here, Superior Creation, Five Up Fender Pain on characters. By Captain's got nine wounds now. Like, yeah. Five Up Fender Pain yeah. on him functionally gives you 50% more wounds. He's now a, what, 13 and a half wound character. But he doesn't, <laughs> yeah, but he's under 10 wounds, so you can't target him. Generically pretty good. Like, yeah, that that's just very solid. And then Impregnable Mind is one I've been playing with more recently. Um, especially with people... You know, with more just random psychic armies out there and people wanting to do psychic secondaries, you know, having the ability to deny at plus one is is not bad at all. You combine that with you got any sister silence in the list, suddenly you've actually got quite a good suite of you know psychic defense. And then the ability to count as two additional models that's cumulative with your normal I count as extra models on objectives. While he's not obsec, the fact that you can sort of walk this guy up with say three, you know, shield guard and suddenly have 10 models on objectives that are obsec. Yeah. I think there's, there's something there. I don't think it's, it's massive. It's just nice tech to have that, you know, you can say to your opponents and, you know, in occasions, you know, especially if someone puts a non obsec model on an objective or, you know, they touch a couple of non obsec models yeah. on an objective. The fact that this, this dude can just wander on over and just go, all right, I'm here. I've got this back. Yeah. I'm, I mean, the, or the whole package just links together to mean that you have, a baller Trajan and a baller shield captain on bike. And everything in this freaking codex tells you that is the premium combination and not, it has not shifted one iota since the release of the codex. Um, people have tried, but that combo is still hands down where you want to be. You are right though. The, the wall, the, the custodies wall of traits are absolutely bangers. They're actually really good. How do you feel about the sisters of silence wall of traits? I think there's one that you can play. The rest are rubbish because the rest try to buff your sister's silence. Correct. And that's not what you want. You don't have enough of them to, to warrant buffing, in my opinion. No, no. They're, they're not good enough to be taking in enough mass to get any benefit out of buffing them. The one that you consider taking uh, is the one we talked about before when we were talking about OBSEC. You can whack up yeah. onto, it's called Silent, Silent Judge. Yep. yep. Uh, and it's uh, within three, enemy units lose OBSEC. So suddenly you can now play the the I can capture objective back game because remember all your custos models count as two. You know, so suddenly, you know, someone's got 10 guardsmen sitting on an objective. I mean, first of all, just go charge them. You'll kill them off. Anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, say there's something a bit tougher, um, Blight, you know, Blight Terminators, whatever they're called. Um, you know, suddenly they're not obsec. You can just walk your three custodian guard on there. It's yours. Or three something else. You know, your, your three bikes fly onto that. Cool. It's theirs because they're probably not going to kill them in combat. So there you go. You've got it back. Exactly right. It, I do rate that one, and sometimes when you are playing a budget, you know, battalion, and you don't want to take the two HQs for whatever reason, um, this just taking just taking a Sister Silence uh, character. What's it? What are they called? Nice and sure. With this is is a great compromise. If you just want to take Trajan and this guy, or the Shield Captain on bike, and and the the Nice and sure, that's perfectly acceptable. If you want to try and get a few other bits and pieces, or put some Hellhounds in, uh, sorry, some uh, some Hellhounds in there. You know, yeah. got to find some points somewhere. Uh, but anyway, I think uh, I think overall they're a pass. Yeah, I think they're, they're, they're a pass because they're one. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, uh, relics time, my man. Yeah, so. Probably not quite as much of a pass as uh, the Wall of Traits. I think there's definitely some good stuff in here. There's also a lot of weapons, and generally you don't need better weapons, is my, my no. general feeling. There is one weapon I'll give a shout-out to here, and that's Obliteratum, that was rubbish. Now I think in the scenario where you have a character in Terminator armor, 
and you're probably Empress Chosen because you want to be able to re-roll this thing because you really you, you paid the CP to get this. You really want to make sure this thing hits. It's probably worth taking. Mm-hmm. So I think. model with a ballistic grenade launcher only, which can only be on a Laris Terminator. Uh, range 18, Assault 1, Strength 10, minus 4, D3, plus 3 damage. That's hitting on a 2 with a reroll and pretty much wounding on a 3 at worst, essentially, in the game. Let's say let's say T, T, better than T5 with minus 1 to wound. Yeah, exactly. So, look, I think it's fine. Um, there's a few sort of standouts in here that I think you, you see most of the time. Castellan's Mark, I think, is probably the most obvious standout here. Redeploy is fantastic in any arm you can get it in. The yep. fact that it's just shield host units means that things like your Caladiuses, you can redeploy those. Correct. You know, so you can deploy them yep. quite aggressively on the front line because you know one of the biggest benefits is they move 14 with fly. So if you get to go first, well, suddenly those things fly forward, find weird angles, and you know shoot your opponent's infantry or, or you know point scorers off the board. You go second, cool. You bang them back. You hide them away. You're safe. So. That one is probably a most list. If you've got the CP to take it, I think it is almost always worth taking. Um, there are some games where you'll find, actually, I don't think I need to change how I've deployed. Yep. Um, but I think, you know, if you're going into a tournament, you're probably going to have half your games where you, you'll, you'll want to have this. So paying, you know, one CP for it, I think is fine. Totally agree. Um, I, I do agree on the weapons. Like, once again, um, there has been very few, and I memed on it last week, and as people have put in the comments, some other good relic pistols in the game, like the uh, Wormtooth rounds for GSC, etc. Um, like just just most or more often than not, um, everyone's looking for a Warlord trait and a relic that either dramatically increases durability, um, as in dramatically, because usually you can find a generic weapon that's good enough to do a job, e.g., a Thunderhammer, a Fist. In this case, just about any custodian's weapon, um, or they're looking for something that increases the power and durability or ability to score points of the rest of the army, either giving obsec, taking obsec you know, um, re-rolls, etc. Uh, f- most of the weapons here are not even... They're only, like, marginally better than their contemporaries, than their the originals. Yeah. Like, they're not even that much... These are actually hugely failed weapons. You think about, like, how much better a the freaking Teeth of Terror is than a regular chainsaw. It's, like, nine times, twelve times better. Whereas, like, the Guardian spear here, spear here isn't even two times better than a regular Guardian Spear. No, you get a couple of extra attacks and a, and a couple of pips, and one pip AP better. Dude, which, it's so bad. <laughs> no, it's not good. Um, you know, Eagle Eye is probably another one here that's worth calling out as pretty playable, especially if you're taking uh, Blade Champions. So this is your only access to 3-up and vulnerable save, and it is for one phase. Um, luckily, it is after, uh, once you have to take a saving throw, so before you make it, but once it's applied to you, you pop it, um, and then it's for the rest of the phase. So, you know, that one phase where, you know, he's they shot away all of his support and now they've got an entire crisis suit unit aiming him down. Correct. And you think, hey, maybe I can survive this. And that's that one turn that you turn off all re-rolls and yep. put your three up and vulnerable save yep. up. Um, it also gives you plus one wound, which, which is nice. nice in that yes, most nice. characters yep. are at six or seven wounds. So suddenly they're a little bit tougher. So I think that one's worth playing if you've got the unit. But I, again, I, I look through this and go, Castellan's Mark is probably the only one, and it is the only one that I kind of, not auto-lock, but if I'm taking a Relic, it's the first one in. And then it's, am I taking a Blade Champion? If so, probably Eagle's Eye. Am I taking a any character in Terminator armor, which means usually a Banner or a Captain? If so, a Bloodoratum, if I've got the CP to spend on it. Otherwise, nothing else in here really well, does up wh- me. Wait a minute, you're taking a Terminator boy and you're not taking Mr. Worldwide? What's going on, dude? 
what's what's up? <laughs> Tell us about this because this was one of the big memes. One of the big supposedly was going to be a possible game breaking play. This is the Praetorian play, yeah. Yeah. So plus one toughness first of all, cool. The other part of it was you basically can heroic, and they eventually FAQ'd it to say you are heroicing uh, anywhere on the board. Essentially, you just, essentially, you just pick them up and you drop them in. Uh, you have to be within three of a friendly unit, but it just means that this guy can sort of disappear and appear out of nowhere. I actually used to run it on a uh, a Vexilla in Terminator, yep. in Terminator armor because I didn't take Terminator shield captains, and yep. it was only Terminator model. When he counted as obsec models, because suddenly what you would do is I'd, I'd usually run uh, at the time I was running uh, the Galvis Dreadnoughts. I'd sprint one into the middle. My opponents would come and try to deal with it. You know, that you know, as long as I stood far enough up, I stand on the middle. I'd go, cool, I can hurry anywhere into you. So you can't just come and tap on the objective. They come charge in and then Mr. Worldwide just comes and bombs down. You also gave him um, the, the one I was talking about before where he counts as extra models. Suddenly he's now four models with obsec dropping yep. down next yep. to your, your, t- your Dreadnought. You're now six models with Obsec on the point. You're not going to kill him uh, because he's plus one toughness and he's just a Custodes character. And, you know, it's a pain. Now that he's not Obsec, though, I just don't find space for this in a list because, sure, my you know my my Terminator can come and appear out of nowhere, but I'm investing at least two CP into him to make it worth doing, and even then he's not Obsec. I will also... Um... He's he's an example of a, how many points is this guy? Um, if you want to run him as a shield captain, he's one fifteen. He's one fifteen. If you want him as a shield captain or a uh, praetor, uh, the thing with the praetor though is you don't get a uh, sorry a vexilla. You don't get a melee weapon. Yeah, of course. You're just literally hitting with your. Um, I think you might have shank. a misericordia if you're yeah. lucky. Yeah, you yeah. got it. Yeah, um, but my issue. So I had this pulled on me, um, and I had my I, I had my objective stolen. Once, exactly the same play as you said. And then the next week we played the same game. And the guy came in on, I think it was five incurses to try and steal an objective. To, he was going to flip. If he if he won it, he would have got a 12 and, you know, denied me some points as well, most likely. And I just transhumaned and I had armor contempt by then. And uh, he didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah. Came in with his Castellan axe, being all big and chatty and got six attacks, hit with one, wounded with two. And I made a four up armor save on the other one. I didn't, no one died. I, I think I was one guy to, yeah. Uh, Custodes, super boss, uh, Mr. Worldwide. And so I was just like, dude, stop taking that guy to that dude immediately. I was like, you can't, you can't take him anymore. I no. but, and if, that was, that was after he'd lost obsec. Sorry. Um, um, so yeah, he yeah. was he probably wasn't even going to take the objective off me. Yeah. He, he's one of those characters that you'll get, you know, lesser opponents, you'll catch them out and you know, you'll feel amazing that you pulled off this, you know, incredible play, but any opponent that, you know, and you should be telling people, Hey, this guy can just teleport basically anywhere on the board. Smart opponents will figure that out and just, you know, not give you an opportunity to pull off a really good play with this. And so I think it's a win more style. And he, and for now, it's not even fantastic because the guy you're putting on doesn't have obsec. So, yeah, I think it's it's had its time in the sun. But I think now it's it's not worth taking because you're probably not even having a guy with Terminator armor in your list to begin with. Agreed. Okay, what is the next section? Oh, sorry, um, how do you feel about the Sisters Relics? I actually, funnily enough, I really like the Flamer, but you'd never take it. No, it's it, uh, maybe if you've got a ton of CP and you're happening to take a uh, Centura with a Flamer because you're trying to make a cheaper fill out of Italian. I, I mean, sure, it, it, it's fine. It's it's uh, automatically six uh, hits at AP three, shrink six. So like, I mean, it melts sisters, it melts guard, it melts Eldar. Like, it's kind of funny, but 
I still don't take I mean, anything from this section. Exactly right. You're just not going to do it. it. Funny enough, the stuff in here is good if the if the units were kind of worth taking. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, like you got it. You, you sorry. You have a relic here that is a four plus invuln, and each time an attack is made against a bear, extract one from the hit and wound roll. That is an insanity level relic on anybody else, and then you're just like, ah, that's just par for the course. Custodian's not going to take it. <laughs> I mean, the problem is you're putting it on a 55-point sister that has, like, four attacks or something, and it's like, if she dies or lives, it's probably irrelevant to the situation. So, yeah. Exactly right. Um, But, yeah. All right, so moving on, we are up to the secondaries, my dude. So on on launch, were the secondaries any good? No. And how are they now? Uh, Arguably still rubbish. (laughs) Um, So this is probably the custodes by far their weakest part. Um, we'll talk about, we'll got probably we'll work in order from worst to slightly not worst. Um, so Mighty Terror is their first one. This one is, uh, in my opinion, garbage. Uh, you get four points at the end of the battle round. So it's end of battle round, not end of player turn. I believe that stayed the same with the, the update. Uh, you have to kill at least one unit with your uh, Deptus Custodes units uh, and not have any units die in return. That's just that's just not ninth edition possible. I mean, if no. that is happening... Like you're gonna you're gonna win anyway, right? Your game is already over. Anytime in ninth edition you go a turn without killing something, it's either turn one or you've lost. Yeah, no, it, it it's not good. It, it's it's trying to be kind of like a fancier grind, but grind is almost better in every scenario uh, because at least you can lose some of your units and still have but, it play. Yeah, yeah, no, this this doesn't do it for me. I've never taken it. I don't think I ever would take it. I can't even think of match it where I would like to. Maybe if I played. No, I, I can't think of anything because I'm going to lose units. If I'm not losing units, I'm crushing my opponent so badly, it wouldn't matter if I had this. Or one. you're playing in such a way that you're not scoring primary. Exactly. Yeah. And well done. You score, you know, 15 points on Mighty Terror and score nothing else and lose anyway. It's nothing but fours on yeah. primary. Well done to you. All right. What's the next one? Right. Auric Mortalis. This is a really long one. It is essentially one of these pick a unit, kill it, score points. The problem with it here is that, first of all, if they have a a Primarch or a Supreme Commander. It has to be them. Yep. Yikes. So it has to be a, a Baden, which is no bueno. Yeah, no bueno on that one. It has to be more than Val. Cool. Good luck. You know, so if they don't have it, okay, maybe you start thinking about it. You didn't pick their highest point unit and aircrafts are ignored. At the end of the battle, there's three conditions you can fulfill. If they are just dead, for any reason they're dead, you get five points. If they are dead because you killed them with a melee attack from a custodies unit, you get another five points. And then if the above two were both ticked and they were killed outside of your deployment zone, you get a final five points. So there's 15 points there total, but you have to kill that unit outside your deployment zone in melee. The key thing here and why I don't think this is amazing is you can't shoot them off. Because if you shoot them off, you get five points. If you could shoot them off outside of your deployment zone for 10, there are some scenarios where I would just take this and yep. accept that yep. I'm just going to sit there and shoot this thing and that's it dude you know? min 10 is totally fine in this day and age on a secondary 100 percent. but but min 5 and maybe not even min 5 if you can't get to them and kill them it's not great it did get buffed so in the actual codex you lost points i'm reading it right um, now and i'm like oh my god this is it minus, was even worse minus two points for each unit from your army that that unit you selected has destroyed so if you went up against knights and they had a uh, they had one of those baller uh mechanicum crusaders uh, and that crusader picked up three units and then you killed it for 10 points you get four points yeah 
Wow. <laughs> this was bad. And I took it, to be fair, I took it once in its awful form, again in the mirror match, into yep. someone else's bikes because I had nothing else I thought about taking. And it was the last round of a, a tournament and I was pretty tired and just wanted to have a bit of fun. Um, to be fair, I got 13 because I went and killed them uh, very luckily with one of my squads of bikes. But that is not to say this is a good secondary. It is bad. Um, there is very few scenarios where I can think of you would ever take this, you know, maybe maybe there's some scenarios where they've got a knight that you that doesn't have an involved combat and maybe you, you've got all bikes and you're just going to send it and you're going to go try kill it but i i don't think you take this unfortunately yeah no i, I do not i do not in fact like sorry do the last one then we'll talk about them all yeah stand vigil this is the one that you will sometimes pick so great this is essentially stranglehold but worse uh, it is score three points at the end of the battle round, not player turn. If you control more objective markers that are not within either player's deployment zone than your opponent does. So great on five on five objective missions. It's got some play. Yep. The kicker here is end of the battle round. So if you go first, your opponent, all they have to do is figure out how many are you standing on and either stand on equal or more. And, you know, problem solved. You don't get three points here. Correct. Uh, so... Often you're forced into taking this because you've got nothing else better. Because as you've seen, this is the only three they have. Although they don't have a fourth one. I'm not sure why. But uh, they've only got three. So often, if your opponent doesn't give up kill secondaries, you're stuck with this. And you just have to accept that if you go second, it's got some play. If you go first, the game plan has to be, I will table my opponent as fast as possible so that I can stand around and hopefully score this for three to four turns <laughs> at the back end of the game. Exactly right. Now, this was, this was one that came to mind, I believe, when uh, Nephilim came in and Stranglehold and TTL to the last uh, were removed. Everyone was like, well, everyone find out if you've got a Stranglehold light. If you have a faux Stranglehold, you now have a good secondary. And it did not hold true for Custodes for the particular reason that you have to, you can only have a, you only have a handful of units in your army. Standing around, waiting for the end of the battle round so you can score three points on an objective and getting yourself killed in doing it is a way to lose the game as Custodes. Yeah, there is some play here where if you're playing on a five objective mission with one in the middle, which I think they always are if you're playing five yep. objectives, yep. then you probably want to be fighting over the center anyway. anyway. And as long as you've got some OPSEC units, you know, specifically shield guard that are fairly tough to deal with, you can, even if you go first, you can still score this decently. You know, it's, it's not the end of the world. Obviously, you want to go second and, you know, this this becomes a lot easier. On a five-objective mission going second, this is actually pretty good. But there is still some play there. It just means that your game plan does have to be, I will own the one in the middle that's kind of closer to my deployment zone. You usually have one like that. You know, I'll go put some Sisters of Silence and a squad of Shield Guard on it just to make enough that your opponent's not going to come and bother with it. And then you just bomb everything else onto the center and you just go... Right, come deal with me. If you try to get close, I'll heroic with a bunch of stuff. I'll fight you with a bunch of stuff, and you know, hopefully at the end of it, I'll have at least one obsec model on there and enough stuff that's you know everything else counts as two models. I'll have enough stuff there that I hold it, but you know, it's definitely risky. Every time I pick this, I don't feel good about it until I know <laughs> if I'm going first or second. And usually, yeah. if I'm going second, I feel fine. If I'm going first, you know, well, the game plan's pretty simple at this point. It is send. Exactly right. All right. Um, I think that the secondaries suck. I think they're an absolute Agreed. fail. Um, and two iterations of the moon fails, because on release they sucked, and I think the Nephilim ones still suck. Uh, so into the data sheet abilities, and we'll talk about the Katars. So first up, we're going to talk about here is Aegis of the Emperor. So this is what gives you your four-plus invulnerable save and your six-up against mortal wounds. Um, 
I'm of the opinion this was written without G-Dub factoring and just how many freaking mortal wounds they were giving to literally everybody in 9th edition. Um, everybody can sprinkle. I mean, so there is a build for just about every list bar maybe Space Marines and maybe Necrons to sprinkle enough mortal wounds to absolutely shellac uh, a Custodes army that is unprotected. Um, and 6-up does not change an iota of that. It does not change it at all. Um, cool. I, I mean, like I just mentioned sisters. Yeah, if they build for it, they could have two two units that for a CP each could do six mortal wounds. Uh, sick. You save two of those with your six plus feel no pain on average. Doesn't change. Doesn't change the fact that if they do that to you like three times, that's a, almost half your army is dead. Yeah. Um, how do you think this should have been better? Look, I mean, in hindsight, you could argue that maybe that feel no pain should be a five up. Is that going to be a bit too powerful? Maybe, but again, this is only on infantry and bikes, pretty much. It's not on vehicles. So, and it, suddenly you then might have some reasons to not take Empress Chosen because if you've got a five up versus a four up, you might at that point go, well, look, I've got a good enough defense and I'll chuck in some Sisters of Silence that into those, you know, psychic heavy matchups and those, you know, high water wound matchups. I'll just try push my way through with better abilities now. I'll just make my army killier and try and kill them faster so I take less mortals. Dude, you just nailed on a thing that I was going to bring up at the end. And one of the things I always wanted to see with this codex was more synergy between Sisters of Silence and Custodes. And the biggest thing I think they should could have done is that where Sisters of Silence give you an aura of inc- plus one to your save against mortal wounds in the psychic phase if you're within six of a Sisters of Silence unit. So, and that all of a sudden you have some beautiful synergy between those units. So every six of the silence units you bring brings out a six-inch aura that gives other custodies a five-up instead of a six-up against mortals in the psychic phase. I, w- I would have thought been like, well, chef's kiss, genius, but they didn't. But as for the rest of the data sheet abilities, how do you feel about them? I mean, there's actually not others. There's actually only the Daughters of the Abyss, which just means you're anti-psychic on your anti-psychic models, and uh, you get Deep Strike. So, yeah, lo- lines you up to talk about nothing. Moving on to the Katars. Exactly. Tell us the story here. Yeah, so Katars are the the new thing. This is their kind of ninth edition. Let's throw some some funky flavor in here for them. So the way these work is there is, uh, I believe, six of them. Each of them comes in two halves, and you select three of them at the start of the game, and you cycle through them, basically. So uh, you order them to begin with, and each time you essentially think of it as a card, because you should probably get the cards if you're using these, you flip them over, and you pick one of the two halves, the next turn you either do the other half that you haven't done or just move to the next card, which uh, if you're doing your math at home, you'll go, well, then you could burn through uh, all of them before the game ends and have none on the last couple of turns. That is correct, you can. So there is some pre-thinking you need to do here. These abilities for me are ones where the more you put into this, you're going to get experience more out of these. I think even lists like I've been playing recently, which have literally eight models that benefit from the Katars because your vehicles don't benefit from it and most of the Forge World stuff doesn't benefit from it, it is still worthwhile figuring these out and learning how they work because there are some times in the game, especially if you've got Trajan who can reorder them. So, you know, if you put them in order one, two, three to begin the game, suddenly your opponent pushes 13 knights into your face and you go, crap, I really want one of them right now. He can reorder them once per game. There's some stuff in here that I think can really just dial you up and give you that efficiency that you need out of all your models to make them work. Um, And the other point to talk on here is that every shield host has one of these that is their preferred one, which basically means once per turn, uh, one turn in a game, you can have both halves at once. So essentially you pick one of the halves or the stances as they're called, and you get the other's effect most notably, because you're probably going to take Everest Chosen, their one is Rendax, and I think that's probably the best 
overall if you're dealing with vehicles uh, because it can give you a couple of pretty good buffs when you're trying to take out vehicles. Uh, I love it. Said it really well. Which is what is your order? What has become? Is there a ubiquitous? You know, ninety percent of the time, this is what you're going to do. Order. So there's definitely two that I will always have, and I'll usually have them in the same order. So conserve is the one I usually go with first. The main reason you have that is that you can advance in action. Yep. So first turn, you can just go into the midboard, get up banners more reliably. Yep, because banners is a fundamental way that custodes play now. You need to take banners pretty much every game because if you don't, I mean, you don't know what else you take. So you know, you need to be able to go out and get them. And so the ability for them to be able to just, you know, advance and go put a banner up is crucial. So Conservi is in almost every single one that I play unless I'm not taking banners for some bizarre reason. Um, so that's usually first. Rendax is almost always in there second because it is the Emperor's Chosen's, uh, chosen one. And the two buffs that that can give you is auto-wounding vehicles and monsters on sixes and plus one strength. And the plus one strength in combat uh, doesn't sound a lot into vehicles and monsters, but it can have some pretty big, you know, some big uses where, for example, your uh, your uh, sword guard with the shields, uh, their strength six base. You've got an ability to do plus one to wound if you're tougher than them. This isn't, again, a plus one to wound. This is a plus one strength. So those two can stack. So if you're fighting, for example, Helverins or you know any armager platform, any toughness seven platform that's out there now, normally they'd go in and, and wound on a five. Suddenly, if you're in Rendax in stance two, we gain plus one strength into vehicles and monsters, and you can do plus one to wound for one CP, you've gone from fives to threes. And suddenly they're actually doing, like they're suddenly quite scary. And then the fact that they're on sixes, automatically wounding anyway you know votan look at this and goes ha whatever everything in our army you know, basically <laughs> auto wounds on sixes um but for custodes you know the, the fact is is that they might not have a lot of attacks but every attack is value every attack is you know is a quality attack and so pushing those through you know anything that helps you get those through big buff so those two are almost always in the stack usually because i'm taking trajan i'll put rendax at the back and then have a think about what I do from there. The other ones to call out, uh, I think it's Dakatari has one of the abilities where you can get plus one attack, but all of your melee weapons go to damage one. There's some definite uses here, because uh, it doesn't say if you are more than damage one, then you can't do this. So if you're, uh, say, Sagittarium, that only have uh, Misericordias that are damage one base, they can still benefit from this. So they lose nothing, but gain an attack. And suddenly they're up to five attacks each. So there's some play here if you're going into, you know, a bunch of guardsmen or a yep. bunch of demons where you just yep. want volume of damage one attacks. Having this one here is pretty good. And I think that's what's nice about them is the rest of them have very situational buffs. I think the last one I'll call out is uh, Captaris Part 2. Yes. So this one specifically can be pretty spicy. So this is uh, as long you can – one of your uh, infantry – as long as they're tapping or they're in combat with a unit, when that unit goes to fall back, you roll off. If you win, they're stuck with you. But if they have fly, you still do this roll. They just get plus one, and you still have to win. So it's a little bit less likely, but there's a lot of stuff you can do here where you know you can springboard uh, some custodian guard up the board and go tag a really scary unit mm. and just roll for it, right? You plan for the yeah. turn. You go, all right, Captaris is in here. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn this on. This turn, you, you switch them in your command phase and it comes off in your next command phase. Um, specifically, I've done this against things like crisis suits, right? Where there's a crisis unit that I can't quite reach on a charge, but there's a unit in between. So I'll you know, charge up to them with a bunch of stuff. Everything else that charges, it kills it. I still get my pile and consolidate. Go and tag those crisis suits. 
they're not going to do anything to me in combat. And I go, look, you're likely to win this roll off, but if you don't win this roll off and I trap you here in combat, that's massive. Suddenly I'm now standing up on the other half of the board. You're not doing too much to me and I'm getting to fight you and potentially then springboard off and go do other things next turn. Yeah. So I think they're all, none of these are game defining massive buffs, but they're all enough that, you know, mastering knowing what one to take in every game and exactly when to utilize it can kind of take your units from average efficiency to just that little bit extra that you might need to get yourself across the line. Yeah, I agree. I, the only one I would like to point out is the Dakatari stance one as well, um, which is each time an enemy unit piles in or, or consolidates, if it starts that move within engagement range of this unit, subtract two from the distance they move in and, and pile in and consolidate. Really cool for... It, it's pretty niche, but it's really cool for stopping people from stealing your objectives by slinging units onto them, you know, fire, fighting, piling, consolidating. Or when someone's got a big unit and you force them to make a long charge and they, you know, they, they make it, but then they can only pile and consolidate one inch, so barely any of the models fight. That kind of stuff. I really... Big fan, but it needs it needs to be really well set up, and um, I'm not sure I'd be good enough to do it. But it sounds cool. All right, so overall, I think the the guitars are pretty good and a bit of a plus, a bit of a pass. How do you feel? Yeah, I think I think they're a pass as well. Look, they're you know they're a little bit complex. I know the first time that they came out on the GW preview, everyone just scratched their head and were really confused about it how the things worked. Yeah, but yeah, look, there's a lot of power to be had in them. It's just you get what you put into these things. If you just kind of randomly put them in order and go, ah, oh, whatever, and don't really care about them, you'll get nothing out of them and they'll do nothing for you. But if you sort of have a think about it, you know, take that extra minute at the start of the game when your opponent's looking over their list to go through and go, actually, what one of these are the most important? You know, having the cards here is a fantastic resource because you can sit there and read through them all. And, and I'll often catch myself going, actually, there's that, this one here for this particular matchup that I should probably put in. So, yeah. That, good, to, good to know. All right, moving on to the last section, which is the data sheets, which was pretty much already covered. I ragged on them pretty hard at the start, but uh, tell us, tell us your story, your side of the street, mate. Yeah. So, look, the the thing with Custodes, right? And we've, we've talked about this before, is that the book has nineteen data sheets, of which eight are HQs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've got Valeria, Valerian, and uh, Alera, Alera in here. Yeah. Um, and and then you take out the fact that there's a Sisters Land Raider or a Custodes Land Raider that doesn't have armor contempt. And there's a rhino, which is only for sisters, so you're not putting custodes in it. You're now down to, what, nine data sheets that you care about outside of your HQs. And Forge World has 13 additional. So it's almost two books. There's almost the core book here. And then there's your Forge World book that has a bunch of other stuff as well that you tack on. But if we're just looking at the the GW book for now, there's probably a, you know only a few data sheets in here that you're really going to focus on. We've talked a lot about them already. Trajan, if you've got the points to take Trajan, always take him over a shield captain. In my opinion, he is fantastic. Uh, even still at 200 points, which he got put up to, he is still a fantastic character. What was he on release? Was it 140? I want to say it was 160, I think. Okay. Either way, absolutely broke ass was the best model in the game upon release. 100%. Uh, in, insanity levels of value. Especially uh, when you factor in that you every list had wardens, and so this boy was just standing on an objective. He heroic six because that's a warden yeah. trait you get, and your wardens behind a wall. Especially if you're playing player place terrain, you, you set that up every single day. Your opponent knows exactly what you're going to do, but it's an absolute pain to deal with because you know not only could he heroic six, he couldn't be shot at, but he was also obsec back then. Yep. And in addition, he's extremely hard to kill. 
like yeah. extremely hard to kill. Uh, but yeah, to me, like there's only five data sheets in this book in this book that ever get used: Shield Captain on bike, Trajan uh, Shield Guard, um, the what are they called? Prosecutors yep. and Virtus Praetors. Oh, sorry, and Vexilla, of course. So six. Um, yep. and those are the ubiquitous. Maybe actually, maybe you don't even see the bikes these days. Um, but they're, they're, in fact, you haven't seen the bikes for most of the last kind of three months. But are there any other fringe ones that could be good, should be good, people should consider? I've got to call out the contender dreadnoughts, and we'll, we'll talk about them more, I think, in part two. But I think it was the Art of War boys that kind of figured out that actually the meme of the venerable contender dreadnought, the old crap, you know, plastic-looking model that is so gumpy, actually in custodes suddenly is quite good. So it's 155 points base, and you take it at base. Compared to your normal contender dreadnought that you get in Space Marines, which I, I don't know uh, the profile exactly, but I'm pretty sure this one you get a weapon skill two and ballistic skill two. Correct. Compared to threes, you get a turp armor save compared Correct. to I assume a three up armor save. Um, you get a fire involve, but I think all of them have fire involves. Yeah. And so on top of that, you get a multi melter with them and a fist that is strength fourteen, AP three, damage three. Correct. So for a, you know 155 points for essentially you know you, and you get plus one to hit in shooting and combat and an extra you know plus one to your save they're actually a surprisingly good package you know compared to a lot of other things in this codex because they're at that annoying break point that they're hard to deal with they're still core so things like trajan benefits them vexillas uh where you can either give them uh you know minus one to hit suddenly they're becoming really annoying to deal with um you know you can give them plus one to wound through the slayer and nightmare stratagem if you're fighting yep. something that's tougher than you which usually is only a, a knight but still knights are quite prevalent in the meta and so suddenly you know having this boy that can run and hit on twos wound on twos not bad there's a strategy we didn't talk about which is essentially one dreadnought on your list for one cp gets plus one attack yep yep and charges. charges yeah so now this boy's hitting with six attacks like i think there's play in them i've got them on my list currently and i kind of love them you know that they're just they're cheap enough that you don't care if you lose them but they're annoying enough that they will do damage and your opponent has to respect that and they have to do something about them. They can't just let three of them run around their, you know, run around their army because they'll just shoot one thing, punch one thing. And especially in Emperor's Chosen where they're getting the free reroll, you know, two multi-melter shots is fine. The fact that they're hitting on twos though, you know, suddenly you, you, you're probably going to hit with both of them. If you don't, you got the reroll there. And if you haven't yeah. used yeah. the reroll there, you get the reroll on the wound roll suddenly those two multi-melter shots are often hitting and wounding both times. Yeah, both times. Yeah, they're, yeah. it's a very reliable package. Yeah. Uh, and I'm I'm a fan, because, of course, you, you couple it with a, with a Vexillus as well for either light cover or minus one to hit, yeah? Yeah, or even plus one attack. Or even plus one attack, you know? yeah, totally fine. Yeah, all, all yeah. acceptable choices. Uh, wh- why, why, why can't they make one of my favorite models in the game, the... Uh... Damn it. Describe it. Uh, uh, the the Termies. I just, I was just looking straight at yeah, them. Solaris. Yeah. God damn, it's out of my brain. Um, my favorite models in the Custodes range. They're so good. GW has done a great job this edition of making Terminators good and playable. I've played with Terminators in my in my Dark Angels army all edition. Death Guard everywhere. Scarab Occult everywhere. Regular um, uh, Terminators for Crowd Space Marines everywhere. Why do they suck so hard for custodians, and why can't GW seem to make them good, despite having some of the best stratagem support of any unit ever? Yeah, I, I think there's nothing inherently 
rubbish about them. I think it is just every little thing about them is not perfect. And it's, you know, they take little cuts here and there. The fact that you can only use the stratagems once, the fact that, you know, their weapons really didn't get much better. They shouldn't didn't get much better. It, you know, they lost one of their best stratagems that, you know, out of 8th edition, which was ignore AP 1 and 2. So I, because of all of those things, and there's just more efficient options. Like if you want a unit that goes and punches someone, just pay the point for bikes. They're probably just better overall. Exactly right. And they're not that much better than regular guard. In fact, they're just one more attack with the same weapons over regular custodian guard. Unless they've got axes, in which case they're just exactly the same as wardens. Problem with axes in the current meta is that AP2 is not feels bad no. on your, your big, yeah. like, I am as good as a Space Marine captain. Well, no, you're not, because you got AP2. Like, come on, dude. Well, get, get some more AP. I, oh, I, said this, I said this on release, I said this on launch, and I stand by it right now, where the F is all the damage 3 combat. Why can I have damage 3 on demand in just about every other codex, uh, bar, you know, Eldari, essentially everywhere else? Any, any other Imperium army gets, uh, gets damage 3, especially in combat, whenever it wants. Thunderhammer's literally here, there, and everywhere. Why the hell can't I have any damage 3 in combat for Custodes? I know. And, and I think that was a, a big talking point when the book first came out was, yes, you've averaged our damage out to damage two, but why is not you know, more of a not damage three? Why are you know, axes not damage three, for example? Yep. Yep. So I think before we sort of finish talking about these guys, there is a use for them, which is the fact that you can now take them in squads of one. one. Yeah. You can use them for both backfield objective holding if you don't want to play Sisters of Silence, but I think I would always rather have six, uh, five Sisters of Silence over one of these boys because it's the same cost. Or you bomb them into your opponent's backfield and you play behind enemy lines. My problem with that is you can only, then only take three of them maximum. You get two points a turn or maybe one point or four points. And the way a lot of Custodes armies play is they're not often then backing them up. And they're not impossible to kill. In today's, meta, in today's world, with four wounds, anything with like two damage just turns around and a couple of AP, pops a couple of shots back, he's gone. Well, and, exactly right. When when an army falls off the power rating, it has to. Of course, it usually goes towards a skew list, and a skew list right now is backfield Caladius, death ball dreadnoughts go up the table, right? Yeah, well, that's the mono custodius builds that I've seen. Very much so. And so, yeah, I've seen some players use them to some effect there. I just think, you know, at minimum, if you take three of them for 180 points, you're scoring six points for behind enemy lines, most likely, and then probably not scoring anymore. I can probably score six out of other secondaries. Yeah, yep. so, without having to take 180 points that that won't contribute to your game plan in any other way. And they're in elites. And when you're running Dreadnoughts, elites yes. are your premium slot. And I do not want to take another... Yeah, you know, I don't want to take a Vanguard and pay three CP mm-hmm. just to have three of these things on my list. So... Yeah. Absolutely right. All right, tell us uh, tell us the rest of the story of the attachment of the... Sorry, of the data sheets. Or, or do you, we're about done. I mean, Forge World is probably the one thing we haven't talked about. And yep. It feels like with this army of all of we them, have to. I think we have to. So yeah. there's quite a few good ones in there to the point where they're probably holding up the faction in some, you know, some examples. Uh, undoubtedly, the the two, the Dreadnoughts, the Achilles and the, the, the Galatus and the Caladius have been propping up the whole faction for probably the last six months. Yeah, agree. So Caladius, just fantastic backfield fire. I've been playing around with running Helverins instead. I'm of the opinion that, that they offer something different. So, but Caladius are still fantastic models, primarily because you know they're fast, they fly, they don't get you know they don't get stuck behind terrain. They've got a lot of firepower, and you know they've got some good strat support. So they've got fallback and shoot. They've got top shelf. 
you know, probably the two best strats they ever need. So you can't just walk up and tag them and you can't, you know, put them down to one wound and walk away and go, all right, my job's done. This thing's not going to do anything. And it's a custode, so it naturally hits on twos. So, yep, they're fantastic. Uh, the Dreadnoughts, as you pointed out, are great. I think Achilles is probably the, the flavor of the month at the moment. I used to love Galatus for the extra invulnerable save, but I think in the meta right now, you need that high damage. Everything else in the army is coming out at damage two or three at absolute best. The Achilles can come in and slap you with damage three plus D3. It also just has a lot of shots off, you know, off its storm bolters. And sometimes, especially in those high dread lists, you will just face horde armies occasionally. And you don't un- you don't underestimate, you know, these guys each putting out eight shots. Well, I, I just keep thinking that the main gun should be better. Like how many how many points is an Achilles? 150? 170. 100, 170. Yeah. So what, 15 more points I get a Redemptor that has the same Storm Bolters, arguably worse, but it has a way better main weapon in the, yep. um, the Plasma Cushion. It has the Underslung Gatling, which essentially is the same eight shots that you get on your Storm Bolter, so it's just got three Storm Bolters. And then I guess I pay, to 90, I think it's 95 points when I get the, the Icarus as well. But um, yeah, that guy, I mean, worse, same minus one, but worse armor save, but more wounds. Uh, well, five more, five more. Five wins? Four more wins. It's 13. Yeah. Um, it, I feel like its gun should just be... I mean, it really feels like custodies do not have enough AP and enough damage on their weapons. Strength is usually okay, but yeah, AP and damage just needs to go up. It's only AP2, right? Two shots at AP2? Yeah. No. Sucks. <laughs> 100%. And that, that is one of its big problems. Yes, it's strength 8 and damage 3. And in some matchups, it's fantastic. But yeah. yes, that, the lack of AP is, is a real problem. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, any other data sheets you want to talk about before we sign this one off? I'm going to really quickly throw out one of my favorites, which is Sagittarium. Yeah, boy. I think we'll talk more about them in part two because there's some funky builds you can do with them. But I'm a huge fan of the Sagittarium. You know, for the same points as a shield guard, you don't get the, the better save. But the fact that you can, you know, have so many shots come out of these boys, you know, each boy puts out four shots and they are assault. So you can be advancing these. You whack them in. Uh, emissaries, and you're ignoring that penalty. Yeah, this just... spice here that we'll we'll talk. About, I think we'll talk about. And um, you know, I, if you're gonna buy a forge wheel purchase, this is probably the easiest one to get into because it's just an upgrade kit, yeah, your standard kit. And I think they give you something different, especially if you're going to be using custodians to sit on the backfield and just hold objectives. I'd much rather have three of these boys that can pop their head out and throw nine heavy bolter shots and three AP three damage three shots downfield compared to, you know, a, a, a normal custody guard. And even though they don't have amazing melee, they've still got Misericordias. Well, they're free now, aren't they? Misericordias are free? Yeah. yeah so, I mean, they're good enough to get you through out of most problems. Because, well, they got three attacks each. It was it strength six, minus two, or minus three, one. Goes up to four attacks, because Misericordia gives you a bonus attack. Yep, so yep. they go to four at strength five, every two damage one. That's fine. You know, someone tries to steal your objective off them, shank them, take it back. Yeah. yeah. And they're still custodians. So they're still two up, four ups, three wounds. Yeah. They've got all the strat support. Like... I think there's this play to them there. I think it's just if you're running like one squad of infantry, you're going to run shield guard because you need that ability to stand there and not die. Not die. Yeah. If you're running Sagittarium, you're probably running 15 plus. Yeah. But yeah. That, that's a real skew build. They become an archetype. Anyway, on that note, we are going to sign off. But before we do, where are custodies sitting in the power rankings right now? From, you know, D tier all the way to S tier, whereabouts are they sitting in your mind? I'm going to say they're probably at a, a B plus. In, in my book, they're probably there or thereabouts. The thing of them is they still put up good numbers. They still yep. have a surprisingly good win rate because end of the day, they are still quite tough and quite forgiving. 
you know, in, in the meta we're going into and, you know, the world we're moving into is so much damage, that's becoming less and less of a thing. They can't just stand there and take it as much as they used to be able to, but they still just have raw power in their data sheets. You know, everything's hitting reliably. Everything's got good damage, decent enough AP. So I think there's still fear for a new player picking them up. Some power there. The problem just is, is that some of the top armies just give them a real hard time. And you have to be on your game to go up against them. And you need to, you know, be utilizing every little bit of power you've got in that book to be, you know, to have a chance of putting them down, primarily because your secondary game is so bad that you have to find a way to, you know, essentially deny your opponents to, you know, keep in the game. So yeah yeah spot on dude um and on i totally agree i think they're around a bb plus uh because like you said when the data sheets are good they're very good like yeah we're, we're, and essentially like i've played games where my opponent has just absolutely you know s the bed on their four plus involves and it hasn't been a game and i've had ones where they've just rolled 75 percent four pluses and i've gotten absolutely rolled so you know that's also just a thing that can happen same as like uh harlequins i guess uh, all right we are going to sign off. We're going to go over part two, answer a couple of listener questions and talk about custodies into this end of season meta, how they account for some of the big moves and shakers in the meta at the moment. Things like Kraken, Nids, things like Harlequins, things like Chaos Space Marines. I'd, I'd love to get into the Jank Tank talking about how they handle stuff like Creations of Bile and Empress Children, what we can do for them there because I know it's something people are struggling with. Um, but anyway, we're going to transition head out of here. Thank you so much for joining me, my man. Once again, where can people find you and hear more of your goodness? Yes, if you just search either Kraken Wargaming on Facebook or Kraken Cast, Cast spelt with a K, either on Facebook or all of your usual uh, podcast aggregators, you can find the stuff we do. And if you aren't already sick of my voice, you can hear a little bit more of it there. Fantastic. Well, if they're not sick of mine by now, you're, they're just getting started with you, mate. They'll, they'll lap it up. Anyway, thank you so much, guys, for joining us. Please come over and support us over on Patreon, Art of War, Down Under, or on the theartofwar40k.com. I love you all. You guys are all amazing. And yeah, grateful every day to be able to do this for you guys. Thank you again, Michael. My man, can't wait to come over and visit in lovely Auckland with you again. And I'm going to head on down south, maybe visit Wellington and Christchurch as well. So, yeah, thanks very much for driving me around, mate. Greatly appreciate it. No worries. Welcome back anytime, as long as you don't always come over and win our events. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring it up, but I, I did do that. <laughs> Thank you very much, mate. Take care. Good night. No problem, Bye. Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under, a content review podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under. Signing out from tomorrow.